Uh, welcome to this reading of the business record for January 19th, business record of Central Iowa's Business Weekly. I'm Pat Steele, and all material heard on IRIS is intended for the use of listeners with print disabilities. And now, here is our first story. Story from, uh, from Kathy Bolton, the writer for the business record, when she did an interview with uh, Des Moines' new mayor, Connie Bozen. For over three decades, Connie Bozen had a front row seat to downtown Des Moines' transformation as a vibrant central Iowa retail hub to a business district void of people after 5 p.m. Bozen, who in November was elected city's mayor, wants to return downtown to a hub of activity that regularly draws people and businesses to the city's core. To do that, the central business district must attract an array of new businesses and more residents, she said. With more housing comes more retail, said Bolson, age 72, Des Moines' first female mayor since its incorporation in 1851. Then more people followed additional retail. It just creates a pattern. Bolson, who previously was an at-large city council member, assumed the mayor's position on January 2nd. She replaced Frank County, who had been mayor since 2004 and opted not to seek re-election. Bozen has lived in Des Moines most of her life. In the mid-1960s, as a teenager, she shopped at the stores in downtown Des Moines. Beginning in 1969, she was a buyer for the now-defunct Yonkers Department Store, whose headquarters was downtown. She worked for the company for over 30 years. Bozen said, there used to be a huge, vibrant downtown. Now you have the East Village for some shopping, but really nothing else. At the end of 2023's third quarter, over 1 million square feet, or 16.2% of the downtown office space, was vacant, according to a market report by CBRE Incorporated. More vacancies are expected with the relocation to West Des Moines of many of Wells Fargo's downtown employees. The move from lease space by American Energy Corporation into a downtown office building it acquired, and the move from lease space by federal court officials into a new courthouse. Prior to COVID-19 pandemic outbreak in early 2020, downtown buzzed with activity. Restaurants were mostly full during lunchtime. Events and activities drew people to the central business district or kept them there after the work day. The pandemic and its aftermath, however, halted the revival. While downtown foot traffic has increased in the past year, it still trails pre-pandemic levels. A recent Greater Des Moines Partnership survey showed that workday foot traffic averaged nearly 66% of what it was prior to the pandemic. Foot traffic on Friday through Sunday averaged 91% of pre-pandemic levels. Bozen wants to aggressively recruit more businesses to Des Moines' central business district, from retail stores and restaurants to office-based businesses. In December, she spoke to the Iowa Commercial Real Estate Association, telling members the city wants to help them bring businesses downtown. Bozen told the business record, we have to roll out the red carpet. I don't know if all the real estate brokers know what incentives, if they are needed, the city has available. I do know this. We need to make it very clear that we want businesses to locate in downtown Des Moines. Bozen said she would like to see more retail businesses downtown as well as more small to large companies that brings people downtown. She also would like to see more housing, adding that res residents could be built on the unused surface parking 
that rings the western part of downtown. There are a lot of parking lots that certain companies don't need anymore that are blank slates, Bosa said. They could be turned into housing. I still think that there's a lot of desire to live downtown and it's all ages. Bozen acknowledges that it's unlikely downtown returns to how it was in the 1960s with department and specialty stores lining the streets. But she said, it is possible to create a different kind of vibrancy in the central business district. She said, just look at East Village. It didn't exist 20 years ago. It took local entrepreneurs that wanted to make a difference and started something there. The same thing can happen on the west side of downtown. There are opportunities to do things differently. We just have to get creative. The business record recently sat down with Bozen and discussed a range of topics with her. And here are the edited excerpts of the interview. The first question. We've talked a lot about downtown. How do you get developers into, Mo into Des Moines neighborhoods similar to what is occurring in Highland Park and Drake? Bozen's reply. That's where I think we need a new strategy and how we go out into those areas to recreate. Some of the strip retail centers and other buildings might go back into housing. They're on major corridors. Maybe we do more than row houses or other types of housing. Those centers are on mass transit routes. You can only have so much retail today. Next question, what areas does the city need attention? Uh, Bozen's reply, we've talked about the Southwest 9th Corridor for years. It's an area that needs some work. When I look at the east side, the whole Hubble Avenue Corridor, also, how do we clean up the stretch of University Avenue between the interstate and the Iowa State Fairgrounds? I think there's a lot of opportunity there. The new fair manager is very much into the community and wants to be a part of the community. With all the activities going on at the fairgrounds, there are opportunities to attract other businesses to the surrounding corridors. Next question. You have the title of mayor, but you are just one of seven voting council members. How will you work to get support from the rest of the council on things you want to accomplish? Uh, Mayor Bolson said, I plan to meet with each individual council person, ask them what is your priority. Then we'll talk with the city's economic development department to figure out how to marry it all together. I'm a realist. We've got to tackle what we can be successful at. Sometimes when you get too many projects going, they're not all well done or you don't make an impact. Whatever we do, we have to be targeted and we have to make sure we make an impact. Next question, what will your relationship be with the governor and state lawmakers? Mayor Bolson replied, we're going to have an ongoing dialogue. I've had one meeting with Governor Kim Reynolds and we will continue dialogue with her. But not only her, but also all of the legislators that impact Des Moines and even outside of Des Moines. So that they understand what our issues are and how legislation they are thinking of passing will affect us. We all need to work together. We are the capital city. We are the host to many of the legislators, many of the people that come into the state. We want to be good neighbors. Sometimes we talk about the rural-urban divide. I have said urban and rural Iowa have a lot in common. We both have old infrastructure. We both have a lot of rebuilding and revitalization that we need to do. And in rural Iowa, they are trying to attract more residents and businesses, just like we are in Des Moines. We have much more in common than we do differences. I think that when we work together, we will have a stronger state. Next question, how would you describe Des Moines' relationship with its suburban neighbors? Her reply, I think everybody can work together better. Next question, how do you see Des Moines working with the suburbs? She said, I'm going to go out and meet with each individual mayor. I'll be at the 
table with the Greater Des Moines Partnership. We've got to work regionally together. We're too intertwined now, and no one succeeds on their own. Maybe short term, but in the long run, we all need each other. Next question, what specifically needs to be worked on? I think we need to look at transportation. We need to look at housing. We need to look at the homeless. We have to look at all the social issues. One city cannot do it all, and we need cooperation from all the communities around us to make sure that everyone is taking care of their citizens and it isn't left up to one city to take care of everyone. It all goes back to understanding the need. One city can't say we don't have those people in our community because everybody has people who need help and how do we collectively help people? Next question. When somebody four years from now says, tell me about Des Moines, what do you hope to be able to say that you can't say now? Her answer, I want Des Moines to be a city that people choose to live and work in. I don't want to hear that I have to go somewhere else to find the house that I want or the office I need. I want people to say Des Moines is my first choice because Des Moines is a great thriving city for all. And within each quadrant of our city, we have a diversity of businesses and diversity of housing stock. We already have a diversity of people. We can't assume that on one side of town that there is only one type of thing that you can build there. We need to make sure that we're equally balanced within the quadrants. I come from the east side of Des Moines, and I know there's a certain attitude. I guarantee you it's in the other areas of the city, too, that there's only a certain kind of housing that we can build. This is the only price we can build. I think that one needs to go away. I see what is being built in other areas. We need to make sure we give the people of each quadrant of the city equal opportunity. Now a little deeper dive into Connie Bozen's background. She's 72 years old. She attended Grandview College in Des Moines Area Community College. As a worker, she was owner of Applia Shus and Salable Concessions. Uh, I think that's Appalicious and Salable Concessions, was a buyer for the former Yonkers Department Store for 33 years and retired from Polk County General Services. Her, politi- her political background, she was, uh, well, she's now the Des Moines mayor starting in 2024. She was a Des Moines at-large city council member from 2017 to 2023, and she was a Des Moines school board member from 2003 to 2017. Community involvement. She was the treasurer of Invest DSM, member of Bravo Greater Des Moines, part of the Des Moines Arts Festival, Des Moines Area Metropolitan Planning Organization, United Way Education Cabinet, and East High Alum Foundation, and chair of Polk County Early Childhood Partnership. She's won numerous awards, and those include the 2006 Business Record Woman of Influence, 2017 the Louise Rosenfield Noun Visionary Woman Award, East Des Moines Chamber of Commerce Citizen of the Year, uh, 2023, East High School Alumni Hall of Fame in 2003, and East High School Service to Humanity Award in 22, uh, I should say 2002. Family, husband Ted Bozen Jr., two adult daughters, four adult stepchildren, and 12 grandchildren. So that's a look at uh, Des Moines' new mayor, Kathy Bozen, an article written by Kathy I'm Connie Bozen, the mayor of Des Moines, article written by Kathy Bolton on the business record. And on Martin Luther King Day, the West Des Moines Human Rights Commission and MLK Day Planning Committee honored L. Wombo, political director for the Auto Federation of Labor, AFL-CEO, 
and the Des Moines University with Community Leadership Awards for their outstanding contributions in areas such as civil rights, education, and community service. Wambo served as the Iowa Democratic Black Caucus Chair and organized community education events such as March to the Polls and Black Women Rise. DMU received the award for community partnerships that benefit underserved communities and its work to create a culture of equity and inclusion, according to the press release. Top 25 influential leaders and nonprofit organizations in 2024 have been named. In the 2013 Book of Lists, the business record began a new tradition. While the book has traditionally focused on businesses, the business record wanted to add some new lists that highlighted the vast array of business people in our community. That led them to two questions. Who does the business community think is the most influential business leader and which nonprofit has the most influence? The business record polled their readers and revealed the first list in the 2013 Book of Lists. Once again, based on readers' votes, they have ranked the top 25 business leaders in the top 25 nonprofit organizations in an effort to help you get to know some of the key movers and shakers in Des Moines. In the past, the business record had readers' votes, specifically for the organizations with the most influential board of directors. Last year, they began asking voters to look at nonprofit organizations, total influence on the community. While having a strong board is generally a critical component of an organization's ability of influence, board strength is just one factor of many that should be used to evaluate the influence these organizations wield. Business Record hopes that you enjoy the list, and as always, thank uh, people for participating in this year's um, survey, and that's an article written by Chris Konetsky, Chris Konetsky, I'm sorry, the group publisher of the Business Publication Corporations. So here are the top 25 influential leaders. Topping the list is Dan Hudson. He's the chair and president and CEO of Principal Financial Group. Number two, Denny Allball, chairman of Allball LLC. Number three, Don Coffin, president and CEO of Bankers Trust. Number four, Tiffany Toshek, president and CEO of the Greater Des Moines Partnership. Number five, Jay Byers, president of Simpson College. Number six, Saku Radia, retired from Bankers Trust. Uh, company. Number seven, Terry Caldwell Johnson. She's the CEO of Oak Ridge Neighborhood. Number eight, Debbie Durham, Director of the Iowa Economic Development Authority and Iowa Finance Authority. Number nine, Connie Weimer, Chairman and Founder of Business Publications Corporation. Number 10, Kyle Krauss, CEO of Krauss Group. Number 11, Emily Abbas, Executive Vice President, Chief Consumer Banking and Marketing Officer with Bankers Trust. Number 12, John Ruan IV, Chairman of Ruan Companies. Number 13, Jim County, Founder of JSC Properties. Number 14, Denny Elwell, Chairman of the Board, Denny Elwell Corporation. Number 15, Greg Edwards, President and CEO of Greater Des Moines Convention and Visitors Bureau. Number 16, Deidre Dejir, Owner of Kaleo Enterprises. Number 17, uh, Isaiah Knox, he's the executive director of Urban Dreams. Number 18, Tanner Krause, former CEO in Come and Go. Number 19, Mike McCoy, CEO of NCMIC Group. Number 20, Bill Knapp, founder and president emeritus of Knapp Properties. Number 21, Angela Connolly, member of the Polk County Board of Supervisors. Number 22, Richard Deming founder and chairman of Above and Beyond Cancer. 
Number 23, Richard Hurd, president of Hurd Real Estate Services. Number 24, Wendy Witterstein, president of Iowa State University. And number 25, Christy Nows, president of the Community Foundation of Greater Des Moines. Now here's a listing of the top 25 influential nonprofits. Number one, ChildServe, followed by Food Bank of Iowa, Animal Rescue League of Iowa, Meals from the Heartland, Easter Seals, Iowa, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Central Iowa, Blank Park Zoo Foundation, number eight, Make-A-Wish Foundation of Iowa, number nine, Des Moines Area Religious Council, sometimes referred to as DMARC, number 10, Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Iowa, number 11, the Iowa State Fair, number 12, Every Step, number 13, Planned Parenthood North Central States, Planned Parenthood Advocates of Iowa, Number 14, Greater Des Moines Habitat for Humanity. Number 15, United Way of Central Iowa. Number 16, Children and Families of Iowa. Number 17, Hope Ministries. And number 18, Variety, the Children's Charity. Number 19, the Community Foundation of Greater Des Moines. Number 20, Young Women's Resource Center. Number 21, Greater Des Moines Partnership. Number 22, Above and Beyond Cancer. Number 23, Iowa Public Radio. Number 24, LifeServe Blood Center. And number 25, On With Life. And now we move to a regular column in the business record written by Kathy Bolton. It's um, usually real, I'm sorry, it's about real estate uh, happenings in Polk and Dallas counties. Two commercial lots have been sold in Waukee's Key Town Loop, a 40-acre, $100 million development on the northwest corner of Grand Prairie Parkway in Ashworth Road in Dallas County. Vibrant Credit Union and Remax Precision both acquired property that fronts Grand Prairie Parkway. Vibrant Credit Union, headquartered in Moline, Illinois, paid the quarter at Waukee LLC $1.4 million for property on Grand Prairie Parkway. It's a one-acre track located just east of Vibrant Music Hall. It's currently undeveloped. Keytown Holdings, LLC, managed by Remax Precision and Clive, paid the quarter at Waukee just over $1 million for property at 2940 Grand Prairie Parkway. It's a one-acre track just south of the property purchased by Vibrant Credit Union. The Waukee Planning and Zoning Commission on January 9th approved a site plan for the office retail building being developed by Remax Precision. The two-story buildings expected include 20,432 square feet of space. The building is proposed to be constructed with brick, architectural metal panels, wood-looking siding, and windows. And the ground floor is proposed to be office or retail space. The second floor would be a REMAX office, according to information provided to the commission. The development will include 80 parking spots. The development of Keytown Loop is being spearheaded by Quad Cities developer Harry Coyne. Vibrant Music Hall, the development's anchor, opened in late 2023. In other transactions, 1914 Ventures LLC, located in Indianapolis, Indiana, Paid Friedley Properties $991,860 for property at 355 East Hickman Road in Waukee. The property includes a 1.3-acre tract that is undeveloped. The transaction was recorded on January 10th. A 11,000-square-foot, one-story car wash is planned on the site, 
and the Waukee Planning and Zoning Commission and City Council approved the proposed development site plan in the fall of 2023. Now moving to Polk County Real Estate, Fairway uh, Stores headquartered in Boone paid Graham Group Incorporated $3.65 million for property located on 62nd Avenue in Johnston. The 3.90 acre parcel includes a two-story, 42,000 square foot office building that was constructed in 2001. The property is valued at just over $4 million. Fairway is relocating its corporate headquarters to the Johnston site. C&D Commercial, located in Fort Madison, paid Charles and Don Kempker $1.2 million for property on First Street in Grimes. The 1.8-acre parcel includes a 17,300-square-foot, one-story retail building that, were that was constructed in 1990s. Kempker's true value is located in the building, and the property is valued at $429,000. Rioco Ankeny, located in Chicago, paid Hawkeye Estates and Bridges at Ankeny $11.4 million for property on Albaline Road in Ankeny. It's a 13-acre parcel, includes a 78,758-square-foot building that was constructed in 2016. The Bridges at Ankeny is a senior living community is located in the building. The property is valued at $11.1 million. 484 LLC, located in Urbandale, paid Lang Paul Holdings $710,000 for property located on South 19th Street in West Des Moines. The property includes a two-story, eight-unit apartment building that was built in 1979. That property is valued at $836,000. And finally, from Real Estate News, RDB Trust and Todd Stewart paid Melvin Quinn $1.28 million for 80 acres of farm ground in northwest Polk County. The land is located just north of Northwest 158th Avenue and east of Iowa Highway 17. So another article written by Kathy Bolton of Business Record. It's lots in downtown Des Moines Market District ready to be developed. Five lots are ready to be developed in a portion of the market district that's being redeveloped by district developer, a consortium that includes developer James County's JSC Properties, Mid-American Energy Company, NAP Properties, developer Tim Ripman, and others. Paul Hayes, JSC Properties president, said, We hope that we'll sell a couple of lots this year. We're post-COVID. Interest rates appear to be coming down. Construction costs have stabilized. This is the year we expect that will have transactions. In the fall of 2019, the city of Des Moines released a proposed master plan to redevelop 260 acres known as the Market District, an aged industrial area roughly bordered by East Walnut Street, East 14th Street, Scott Avenue, and the Des Moines River. The area is bisected by a railroad track that run east and west, has been home to a recycling center, a scrap metal yard, body shops, the city's public works yards, and a mid-American energy facility. While the COVID-19 pandemic stalled developer interest, it didn't slow the installation of new sewers, streets, utilities, and bioswales. Buildings have been raised and colorful light features have been added. Mid-American energy in late 2023 unveiled plans for a nine-acre park that will be between the river and East 2nd and Elm Streets. Two Rivers Park will include an elevated walkway on which visitors can see activities on the river and downtown Des Moines skyline. 
It will also include paths through green space, a shelter, restrooms, and parking. Ritma said, the question that we get asked the most, what is going on with the park, has been answered now. Everyone knows the answer, especially now that you can see all of the dirt that's been brought in for the overlay. People are also seeing movement on the water trails and are getting a better sense of what is planned for this whole area. The Icon Water Trails is a $125 million public-private initiative to connect more than 80 sites, also 150 miles of rivers and creeks, or creeks I should say, in central Iowa. Whitewater features are planned near the confluence of the Des Moines and Raccoon Rivers. The energy company, MidAmerican, in December acquired a two-and-a-half-acre parcel at 251 Elm Street from District Developer, LLC, for $7.9 million. The parcel will be used for parking for the park. Hayes said developers want as much certainty as they can get. MidAmerican Energy answered potential developers' questions when it revealed plans for Two Rivers Park. He said, there's a little more stability and certainty in what will be put on that site. Potential developers can also see what we meant when we were talking about the bioswales. They can see what the view of downtown will be from some of the lots. Some changes have occurred to market district developments since it was first announced, Hayes said. For one, the park is bigger than originally envisioned. A proposed live entertainment arena was scratched when plans for vibrant music hall in Waukee were announced. I doubt that we'll see any speculative office space right away, Hayes said. But a single user, I think that would be a great location for an office. Interest in developing lots is picking up, Hayes said. Most of it is from out of town, Omaha, St. Louis, Indianapolis. Developers who have some taste of development in Des Moines and want to do more. Hayes and Ripness said they are hopeful one or more market district projects will be announced by the end of 2024. Ripma continued, I think we'll see vertical construction going into 2025. There's more certainty in the economy, which is what developers want to see before committing to a project. You're listening to the January 19th edition of the Business Record. Our thanks to the folks at Business Publications for providing a copy of the Business Record to IRIS so that we can read it for you. If you have any comments on this or any other IRIS program, please give us a call at 515-243-6833. Now back to the January 19th edition of the Business Record. Clive joins Central Iowa Waterworks. The Clive City Council members unanimously approved uh, on January 11th to join Central Iowa Waterworks, the city has announced. Clive will be one of the regional water utilities founding entities. As a uh, Central Iowa Waterworks member, Clive will help set policies with neighboring cities to provide our residents with the best water rates and services. We look forward to collaborating with other water utilities to strengthen how the city manages its water resources and operating costs and provide a long-term plan to provide residents and businesses with water they need. That's a quote from Clive Mayor John Edwards, and he said that in a prepared statement. Edwards will represent the city of Clive as a board member for Central Iowa Water Works. LCS promotes LaHaye to Chief Financial Investment Officer, Life Care Services, a national senior living operator based in Des Moines, has promoted Dan LaHaye to Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Investment Officer, and that became effective on January 1st, 2024. He joined LCS as an accounting manager in 2008 and will direct all financial and real estate operations for the organization. 
The promotion comes alongside current Chief Financial Investment Officer Diane Bridgewater's planned retirement. Bridgewater will remain with the company in the role of Chief Administrative and Strategy Officer until 2025 to oversee the transition. Leahy said, Leahy said, I am thrilled to have the opportunity to have an expanded leadership roles at LCS as the senior living industry enters a time of unprecedented opportunity for growth. I have benefited greatly from the leadership and guidance from so many individuals who invested in me over the years, and I feel confident that LCS is ready for the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead of us. Principal Financial Group has entered an agreement with Pi 515 to let the nonprofit operate on the first floor of the company's campus in downtown Des Moines. According to a news release, Principal is providing an in-kind lease to Pi 515, which provides services to underserved teenagers and refugees, offering free programs to develop skills in computer science, entrepreneurship, and financial literacy. Joel Christine Miles, the Director of Principal Foundation and Principal Community Relations, said offering the space free to Pi 15515 will allow the nonprofit to focus its financial resources on providing services to prepare students for future careers in the digital area. She said in a prepared statement, providing space to Pi 515 as an in-kind donation is a proactive, innovative approach to investing both in the fabric of downtown Des Moines and the future of the broader community. Pi 515 began operating from the space on the first floor of the principal campus on Tuesday. Nancy Murtowski, founder and executive director of Pi 515, said the transition into the new space comes as the organization celebrates its 10th anniversary. It began its partnership with principal in 2021 with the creation of the Tech Mentorship Program. During the program, young people meet twice a week with principal employees who volunteer their time at the company's community learning center at its downtown campus to teach students the technology and professional skills they will need in the digital workforce. Students who participate earn three college credits. Murtowski said, here it will create even more opportunities for young people in Des Moines to thrive, equipping them with the skills needed for the future of work. Artesian Capital Group acquires student housing development in Ames. The Foundry, a boutique student housing development next to Iowa State University in Ames, has been acquired by Artesian Capital Group, the Chicago-based group announced. The $15 million acquisition expands Artesian Capital Group's portfolio in Ames. The Foundry, built about eight years ago and located at 2300 Lincoln Way, includes 53 units, a 24-hour fitness center, coffee bar, resident lounge, and study and game rooms. The building also includes underground parking. Additionally, the property includes three commercial spaces currently occupied with a Starbucks, Potbelly sandwich shop, and a campus apparel store. The foundry represents a unique and valuable addition to our portfolio, said Ryan Callahan, a partner in Artesian. The combination of its prime location, exceptional amenities, and Artesian's strategic approach positions this investment for success. Havercamp Properties, located in Ames and a partner of Artesian Capital Group, will manage the property. The acquisition involves assuming existing Freddie Mac debt as an attractive, at an attractive rate. According to a news release, 
Artesian Capital Group has a regional office in Des Moines. The group with Eastham Capital also recently acquired Wakanda Village, a multifamily complex at 1800 and 1810 Watrous Avenue in Des Moines. Graham Group to develop site for warehouses in Altoona. This is an article for the, uh, written by Michael Crum of the Business Record. The Graham Group Incorporated plan to develop land for three buildings to suit warehouses in Altoona, just north of Facebook's data center campus, the company's president said. Dung Den Adele, Graham Group's president, said Graham um, bought four houses that had to be moved adjacent to the site and purchased the ground from RDB Trust for $6.5 million. That deal closed in October. Den Adel said the development agreement with the city of Altoona is in place and sewer lines are going in at the site. So we're basically ready to go, he said. Den Adel said the site is 75 acres. The current design is to build 1.3 million square feet of warehouse space. The site is being advertised on the commercial real estate site, LoopNet. Under the proposed plan, the first building would be 405,000 square feet, the second 340,000 square feet, and the third just under 550,000 square feet. Denny Dell said that while the plan calls for three buildings to be constructed, there is flexibility to meet the needs of an additional tenant. Right now, we're proposing a three-building complex, but if somebody came and said we want a bigger building, we'd change it up. Developing a site is in line with what Den Adel said is the continued industrial growth he expects to see in the northeast corridor between Ankeny, Bondurant, and Altoona. We like the northeast corridor for true industrial warehouse. If you look at the big bulk of bigger boxes and so forth, that's the kind of in the northeast corridor that Ankeny, Bondurant, unincorporated Polk County that type of area. So that's why we're focused on that way because that's where we think the warehouse labor is. In other development news, construction is expected to begin this spring on a 216-unit apartment project that will be located on four acres, located at 1600 Indianola Road, uh, developer Annex Group announced. Construction of the $62.9 million project located near the Raccoon River is expected to be open by spring of 2025. The community will feature desirable amenities, including a fitness center, clubhouse, playground, picnic area, parking garage, community room, dog park, and on-site leasing office. Residents will receive complimentary transit passes for Des Moines, regional, uh, Des Moines Area Regional Transit Authority that will have a bus stop adjacent to Union at River's Edge, the community will also have a community impact plan that will include resources for residents to help develop their personal and professional growth. Kyle Bach, CEO of the Indianapolis, Indianapolis, I'm sorry, Indianapolis, Indiana-based Annex Group, said in a prepared statement, as the capital of Iowa and the most populated city in the state, Des Moines, like many places across the U.S., is in great need of more affordable housing. There have been several new businesses and business expansion announcements within the last few years in Des Moines. So we know that even more people will be looking for housing soon as more jobs become available. Other groups working on the project include Civil Design Advantage as a chief as a civil engineer, Ask Studio as the architect, and Summit Consulting. The project includes financing from several sources, according to a news release. Providing financing, or WNC, for over $24 million in low-income housing tax credit equity. 
Cedar Rapids Bank and Trust for tax-exempt bond financing of over $32 million, the Iowa Finance Authority for tax-exempt bond allocation, and the City of Des Moines for tax increment financing, tax abatement, and $300,000 American Rescue Plan Act funds. The project is the Annex Group's third in Iowa, Union at Wiley, located in Cedar Rapids, opened last year, and Union at North Crossing, located in Waterloo, is currently under construction. The West Des Moines Chamber of Commerce is planning to host its seventh Mentoring for Women event. Um, they announced that seventh annual Mentoring for Women event will be held on March 8th at Prairie Meadows. The full-day event aims to provide opportunities for women in central Iowa to network and learn from industry leaders and focus coaching sessions. At least 100 mentors with a range of professional experience will lead six sessions throughout the event, which will also include meals, an afternoon cocktail reception, and a fashion show from White House Black Market. A full list of mentors will be announced at a later date. Registration for the event closes on March 15th and find additional details at the West Des Moines Chamber website. Holmes Murphy announces some key leadership promotions. Insurance brokerage company Holmes Murphy has announced the promotion of key employees to leadership positions. After 19 or more years of service, Travis Dent, Steve Groffner, and Josh Loftus have been appointed to the board of managers. Jay Revis has been named president of brokerage services. Revis held a leadership position in the division since 2017. John Hurley II has been named Chief Operating Officer of Enterprise Technology after more than 30 years with the company. Dan Keel, Chairman and CEO, said, We are confident by advancing these leaders, we will be able to not only meet but exceed our clients' and employees' needs. It's an exciting time to be at Holmes Murphy. I look forward to seeing each of these leaders in their new roles as they care for and advance our company and clients. And then the following promotions were also announced. Alana Trundle has been named president of Global Captive Management Limited. Dan Etzel will assume leadership over Holmes Murphy Construction. And Cameron Burt and Nate Hying will move forward in their leadership roles as market leaders for the Omaha and Kansas City teams, respectively. The Greater Des Moines Partnership has announced changes in key positions following the departure of three senior leaders in recent months. The partnership made the announcement on Friday last week, saying the 19 members involved have considerable expertise and experience in their respective areas to help continue leading the partnership's mission to drive economic growth in the region. The moves follow the recent announcement by Marvin DeGere that he left the partnership where he served as chief diversity equity and inclusion officer. He joined the partnership in 2021. His last day was January 4th. DeGere's departure followed those of Meg Schneider, who left her role as Senior Vice President of Business Resources and Community Development in December, and Mike Sweesey, who left in October to become the President and CEO at the St. Petersburg Area Economic Development Corporation in Florida. Mike McCoy, outgoing chair of the partnership board and CEO of NCMIC, said the depth of experience within the partnership allows it to seamlessly continue advancing its mission as change occurs. That's how we won't miss a beat because we have this deep bench of experience, he said. 
change happens. People move on to do different things. And if you have a well-led organization, you have other people on the bench who are ready to step up as opposed to, oh, no, now what are we going to do? We haven't had one of those oh-no moments yet, and I don't think that we will as a result of planning that's going on with partnership president and CEO Tiffany Toshek and previously Jay Byers and previous boards that have found this to be a very important aspect to focus on. Toshek, who took over the top role last summer when Byers left to become president of Simpson College, said part of the partnership strategy is to build that bench strength and relationships that make it a strong organization. She said, because an organization is much more than one person, it takes all of us pulling together, and I share with the team over and over again that we are better together. So continuing to focus on the team and how we can leverage skill sets and expertise along the way is what in part really does make us stronger. The staffing changes include Stacey Levon has been named Senior Vice President of Economic Development as the leader of the partnership's economic development efforts, including leading business attraction, retention, and entrepreneurship initiatives. Janae Sakink has been named Senior Vice President of Talent Development and Inclusive Strategies. She will lead workforce attraction and retention efforts, education, have oversight, and work closely alongside team leads of public policy, inclusive business strategies, small business support, DEI initiatives, and regional community development initiatives. Alicia Chilton has been promoted to Senior Director of Marketing. She will advance the partnerships, do something greater digital marketing campaigns for talent and economic development. Alex Lynch will take on the role of Economic Development Project Director. He will work with regional partners to ensure the success of economic development prospects. Emily McLean has been named Regional Affiliates and Member Support Manager. She will be an ambassador and liaison for affiliate chambers and members to support the partnership's regional community and integration initiatives. Ryan Moon has been named Director of Government Relations and Public Policy. He will focus on state and federal lobbying and advocacy on behalf of partnership investors, affiliates, and members. Stacey Robles, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Program Manager, will lead DEI efforts, including the Inclusion Summit, DEI management program, and special projects such as global DSM talent strategies and regional inclusive growth network program through the Brookings Institute. Juan Pablo Sanchez, Director of Inclusive Business Strategies, will lead small business support and development opportunities, including scale DSM and inclusive business growth strategies. And finally, Andrea Woodward has been named to a newly created position, Director of Regional Community Integration. She will play a leading role in connecting affiliate chambers of commerce, investors, prospective talent, and new residents. She will lead the partnership's executive recruitment tours and a new ambassador program to connect prospective talent and new residents to the community. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nate presented the 2024 Renewable Fuels Marketing Awards to Hy-Vee and Ryle Oil Company during the Fuel Iowa Legislative Conference on January 9th in Des Moines. Hy-Vee, which sells a variety of ethanol blended fuels at 85 fast and fresh locations throughout the state, was awarded the Ethanol Marketing Award. Burlington-based Reef Oil Company was awarded the Biodiesel Marketing Award for offering an increasing number of biodiesel blends to its retail and wholesale customers in the Midwest. Neg said in a press release, 
Not only are we proudly leading the nation in ethanol and biodiesel production, but we have a great many retailers across the state, including Hy-Vee and Reef Oil Company, who are providing consumers with more options and significant cost savings in every fill-up of these homegrown biofuels. The Iowa Department of Education announced $1.7 million in credentials to careers grants to support high school students earning industry-recognized credentials. The funds can be used by school districts to cover the cost of career and technical education programs like exam fees, equipment, and instructor training. According to a press release, the funds are intended to empower students to earn stackable credentials in sectors such as healthcare and IT. The grant application deadline is February 16th. Further details and application information can be found on the Iowa Department of Education website. An informative webinar on the program is scheduled for 3 p.m. Uh, on Friday. Those who can attend can still register receive a recording after the webinar. Casey's has partnered with former NFL player Anthony Adams to launch a search for its first ever chief pizza and beer officer. The brand ambassador position is an independent contractor that will report to Casey's marketing team from February 1st to May 31st. The role will be responsible for promoting Casey's pizza and beer pairings on social media and at public events, according to a recent press release. The LinkedIn job posting says the compensation package is negotiable, but will include free pizza, beer, and reasonable travel costs. Applications are open until January 24th, and the convenience store hopes to announce the new hire on National Pizza Day, which is February 9th. Nearly $1.8 million has been awarded in cat and sports tourism grants. The Enhanced Iowa Board awarded $1.775 million in community attraction and tourism grants to projects that expand Iowa's recreational, cultural, education, and entertainment facilities. The grants will support the construction of a new community center in Dune. They were awarded $475,000. An accessible splash pad in Huxley of $100,000. A trail project in Okaboji, $200,000. And a recreational wellness center in Denison, $1 million. Additionally, the YMCA of Washington County was awarded a $4,000 sports tourism grant to promote the Kiwash Trail Half Marathon. To date, the Enhanced Iowa program has awarded more than 136 grants, totaling more than $46 million to projects that improve the quality of life in Iowa. The Iowa Economic Development Authority has partnered with the Iowa International Center to facilitate Iowa's Partner States program. Established in 1960, the Partner States program aims to foster connections between Iowans and the global community in areas such as agriculture, business, and education. After state government realignment, IED Day, I'm sorry, Iowa Economic Development Authority's International Trade Office assumed responsibility over the program in July 2023, creating a new role to handle partner state relationships. The collaboration with the Iowa International Center offers professional and educational resources for international visitors, including transition services. Iowa's current partner states include cities in Japan, Mexico, China, Malaysia, Russia, Taiwan, Ukraine, Italy, and Kosovo. 
Renee Hardeman has been named Lutheran Services uh, in Iowa president and CEO. Um, that appointment was announced and has becomes effective January 23rd. The statewide nonprofit provides a range of services and programs for children and youth, people with disabilities, and immigrant and refugee communities. It is one of the largest human services agencies in Iowa, according to the announcement. Um, Hardeman said, I am honored and humbled to lead an organization that does such good work throughout the state for families, children, immigrants, refugees, persons with disabilities, DEI, and so many more. Serving my community in all 99 Iowa counties is my lifelong passion. I am so excited to lift up our collective work while transforming and positively enhancing LSI's brand. Hardeman is currently serving her second term as a city councilwoman for the city of West Des Moines. Her previous roles included Chief DEI Officer and Vice President of Human Services for Broadlands Medical Center, the CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Iowa, and Senior Vice President of Human Resources for Bankers Trust. We believe that Hardeman's experience as an accomplished business professional, nonprofit executive, and dedicated community leader will guide LSI in a positive and progressive direction, and we are excited to see how her vision and creativity help us to shape the future of this 160-year-old organization. Hardeman is involved in local, state, and national organizations, including the BBBS National Diversity Committee, the Governor's DEI Task Force, Des Moines University, West Des Moines Chamber of Commerce, Polk County Housing Trust Fund, and the Iowa Association for the Education of Young People. She holds a bachelor's degree and a master's of business administration from Drake University. Hardeman has been recognized by the business record as the 40 under 40 alumna of the year, a woman of influence, and as one of the top 25 Des Moines business leaders. The bill would expand postpartum Medicaid coverage for Iowa women. This is a story written by staff and business record. Republicans who control the Iowa legislature and governor's office are signaling their intent to allow some pregnant women covered by Medicaid to keep coverage for 12 months after the end of pregnancy. In a condition of the state address, Governor Reynolds said she is proposing lengthening Medicaid coverage for moms who make less than a certain amount of money. The governor's website says the cutoff would be set at 215% of the federal poverty level. That's about $64,500 for a family of four. Reynolds said in her address, let's do more to help moms, babies, and their families get off to a good start. Only three states, including Iowa, have not extended postpartum Medicaid for a full year currently. Iowa law allows for 60 days of coverage after pregnancy ends. Similar legislation has advanced in recent years, but has never made it to Reynolds' desk. The day before Reynolds' address, House Study Bill 500 was assigned to a subcommittee. That bill would also extend postpartum coverage to 12 months, but does not mention unique income restrictions. No legislation to implement the governor's proposal has been introduced as of this week. State Representative Beth Wessel Crochelle, Democrat from Ames, sent an email message that Reynolds' plans for a stricter income eligibility threshold would keep thousands of pregnant Iowans each year from getting the coverage extension. This is a great program made bad by this change, she said. She's a member of the subcommittee on House Study Bill 500. She frequently speaks about policies that affect women, their families, and the economy. 
Reynolds' office did not immediately reply to an email request for comment. Advocates say that longer coverage would help thousands of Iowa women annually to manage postpartum complications and other issues. Medicaid is a critical source of health insurance coverage for half of mothers in Iowa, said Brittany Haskins, who is the president of the Iowa Chapter of Postpartum Support International, also known as PSI. Haskins said extending postpartum Medicaid coverage for women is Iowa PSI's top legislative priority this year. Haskins said that mothers can experience major health problems long after 60 days postpartum, including ongoing cardiac issues, mental health disorders, and more. Removing Medicaid coverage leaves women unable to pay for medical expenses and less likely to seek treatment, which leads to higher rates of morbidity and mortality, Haskins said. This has a ripple effect on the Iowa family system as mothers are often the primary caregivers. Mary Nell Trefus is the Advocacy Network uh, Director of Iowa ACES 360. She said that some of the most dangerous pregnancy-related complications such as eclampsia, cardiomyopathy, and strokes may not surface until months after a delivery. If a new mom loses health insurance shortly after giving birth, these complications are unlikely to be identified or treated, Trefus said. The same is true for uh, perinatal or postpartum mood and anxiety disorder, also known as PMAD, which are some of the most common conditions identified during pregnancy and postpartum. Trefus said losing coverage just 60 days after giving birth makes it difficult to identify and manage these conditions. Left untreated, maternal mental health conditions are costly and have multi-generational consequences, both Trefus and Haskins emphasize. The cost comes not just from health care services for mothers, but also in lost workforce productivity and increases in child development and behavior disorders. Moms with Medicaid coverage are 25% more likely to have symptoms of postpartum depression compared with mothers covered by private insurance, Trefus added. Women who live with untreated postpartum depressions have children with higher ACEs which is adverse childhood experiences scores later in life, Haskins said. The higher a person's ACE score, the more at risk that person is for major health complications over a lifetime, including cancer, heart disease, diabetes, depression, and more, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. People with high ACE scores are also more likely to be the victims of a crime and more likely to struggle with finances and jobs, according to the CDC. Extending the length of Medicaid coverage provides access and funding to resources and treatment for doctors' visits, cancer screenings, postpartum mental health medication, and sometimes therapy, Haskins said. Healthy mothers are better able to bond with their children, create secure attachments with their babies, are more likely to attend their children's well visits, and are less likely to call in to work sick or quit their jobs, Haskins said. Extending Medicaid coverage beyond the current 60 days postpartum is not only basic health care for women, but will have positive effects for the families, communities, and the economy. And a quick look at a column of the business record on the move. These are people who are changing positions and moving up within their company. Chris Madden of West Bank has been hired as second vice president, bank manager of South. Uh, 
Candy Garcia of Indigo Living has been hired as their leasing consultant. Trank Exman at Indigo Living has been hired as assistant property manager. And Mustafa Mubek has been hired as a new uh, uh, service technician one. Taylor Schwartz at Hubble Homes have been hired as the new home sales professional. Anna Herox at Highmark Senior Living has been hired as a di digital marketing specialist. And Rudy Ringo, also at Indigo Living, has been hired as a senior maintenance associate. And you've been listening to the January 19th, 2024 edition of the Business Record on IRIS, the Iowa radio reading information service for the blind and print handicapped. I'm Pat Steele and I want to thank you for sharing your time with IRIS.